What's up, everybody? Pat's Tailgate Party Podcast. Man, it's been a while since we've been here. We're back uh, <laughs> better than ever, I would say. Uh, we got the whole crew here with us today. We're excited to be back. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about excited about what we witnessed a few days ago in week one, but we'll dive into that. Uh, we'll, we'll dive in pretty quickly and get into that. But uh, Michael Lake is here, your host. We got uh, four other folks around the screen. So as always, we'll go around the horn. I uh, just want to say what's up to the boys here. It's uh, again, I haven't talked to them. At least we haven't talked on, on this platform about the Patriots in a while. So we'll kick it to my right. Andrew Lakis, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Um, you know, I'm uh, just to let the good listeners at home know, you, you might uh, experience some similarities between the rust we have and our lack of cohesion and the Patriots offensive line <laughs> right now. So just a, a heads up on that front. So it don't traumatize any of the good, good, good folks in New England. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's exactly right. We'll get it though, man. We'll get it back. You know, it's like riding a bike. Doug Lake is the man wearing uh, two teams that are four and zero: NC State Wolfpack and and Duke Blue Devils. Uh, I love that. How are you doing today, man? Well, Mike. Hi, guys. Glad to be back. Absolutely. Good to uh, good to see you. We'll go down below me, and we'll go uh, Mike Davis. Mike Davis, how are you today? I am fantastic, y'all. And uh, very much excited to be on this. And again, you know, I'll apologize for the rust. Again, hopefully my performance is a little better than Trent Brown's this week. <laughs> well, look, you you got that. Uh, that. You got that. Uh, you got that Scott Zolak headset on. So we're we're already in good shape. All right. We're already in good shape. Maybe give us some crazy eyes today uh, like Zoe. And then we'll go to the right. Bill Donovan. Bill, how are you today, sir? Doing very well. How's everyone doing? Good to be back. And I second the Trent Brown playing like crapola Oof. that game. Oof. It was, yeah, that was bad. I mean, there was a lot yes, of, it I mean, was. We'll, let's just dive right in. I mean, we, we won't, we won't waste any time. We, you know, I guess I'll say this, we stuff got crazy stuff, got busy, the goal. And I think we said this after the, the, uh, the episode, uh, our final episode last season was that we were going to do some preseason stuff and some draft stuff and some free agency stuff. We didn't do any of that. Uh, life got a little bit busy and I got to be on and, and feel for, you know, this is an open dialogue. I don't think this team was really deserving of any preseason stuff, given the draft they had and the free agency they had and it, the coaching changes they had. So you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm good. Just to kind of dive into the season. Cause I don't, I mean that, that, yeah. that preseason they had was just, like, I don't really well, care I, much about it. I think our what 32 preseason? I think our 32 subscribers probably, you know, right. know, know the drill here. We got a, we got a, got an email from Brightside Bill who wanted to make sure we were taking the days off we needed and That's right. not stressing ourselves too much in the off season. So Absol absolutely. Know, here, here we are. <laughs> what is this, by the way? I, I want to start there. Who is this Bill Belichick that we're seeing right now? I, I don't even know. I don't know who this guy is. I mean, is he is to me, he's like a, like a, he's like apathetic about the performance. Oh, the game was close. Oh, take the time off you need. Like, I feel like the game's passing him, and, and that could be just a, you know, a hot take, but I mean, I don't even, who is this guy? Why is, he softened? Why is he softened? That's, that's my question. It's not, it's not the Bill Belichick of old, even when he's in front of the media, very soft dances. He's polite. It just, I don't know. I don't know. So, so I'll take the first take of the, the season episode two or season two, episode one. 
Um, I think that over the last couple of years, he's been super frustrated that he didn't have the time to teach. He didn't have the time to implement the things he wanted to. And so he's just kind of said, hey, if we can't put things in the way we used to, we got to find a new way. And I think he's still trying to find balance. And I think maybe that pendulum swung way too much in the other direction this year. Uh, you know, the team that was always hyper prepared and always drilling at, you know, with constant preparation has no longer been allowed to do that kind of coaching. So I think he's trying to figure out where, where the new balance is, but I do think that pendulum swung way too far in the other direction. Absolutely. I mean, well, it also doesn't help. I'm, I'm, you know, and dad, you probably can touch on this. It also doesn't help when you change your entire offensive scheme, at least when it comes to run. Well, one in general, cause they got rid of their fullback. And so they, they weren't going to use a fullback this year. And two, they go from a power run scheme and they, they now are trying to run a Shanahan zone offense. And if you're going to do that, I mean, you better have it buttoned up, right? You better have it ready. And I, from what I've seen, I haven't seen that. I mean, how hard is that to do from a guy that's coached offensive line for a long time? How hard is that to, to change mid in the middle of the preseason, or I guess in the preseason to change your entire scheme? It's difficult to do, especially seeing that I don't think they have all the pieces to put in that scheme that they that they want to put in uh, up front. Um, you know, you got a you got a left tackle who's probably pushing three hundred and seventy five pounds, and that's probably being nice. Um, and 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 when you're running this outside zone scheme, you need guys who are quick, who can move their feet, who can get where they need to go, and and. I don't know that it was done in the preseason. I mean, you put something in the preseason and then um, minicamp in the spring and this and that. And to Mike's point, they didn't have that kind of time that they usually have. They also took a lot of time off during camp. Um, it's hard. It's hard to put in a new system. And, and I think that their old system, the power inside power game, was a good system for them. Um, I'm not real sure why, why they did what they did. Um, it's only game one, maybe it gets better, but my experience is once the season starts, it's hard to really improve in a lot of areas. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I saw a guy, I mean, we'll go, we'll go into the, into the game this weekend that we saw dolphins win 20 to seven, um, for all those betters out there, I told my I told my brother the Dolphins minus three, and, and Mike Davis was the lock of the weekend. A lot of people didn't want to listen to that, and it turned out to just be an easy. I mean, it just I guess because we know this team and we knew that they weren't prepared. Um, I also will say there's one guy on the opposite side of the field, uh, and I'm hearing a lot of people out there. I know this isn't a Dolphins podcast, but they are a divisional opponent. I'm hearing a lot of people out there that are talking about how. And I've actually seen this on bostonsportsjournal.com. By the way, just a quick plug, Greg Bedard, bostonsportsjournal.com. The best Patriots coverage you can find. If you're not a member, get on there. Uh, it is by far the uh, smartest and sharpest Patriots coverage you can find. So I I've seen a lot of people in the comments on there because this is a fan's podcast. I, I see a lot of people in the comments talking about, oh, I'm not impressed with the Dolphins. The Dolphins don't impress me very much. Tua doesn't impress me very much. Well, just a couple of thoughts before we dive into the game with this group. First of all, Tua doesn't have to impress you very much, but one thing Tua does consistently is beat the Patriots because he's 4-0 now against them. So that's the first thing. Second thing, uh, this is a new team with a new coach with a ton of new talent, and it takes a while for that to gel. And I just have a feeling, I've thought since the beginning of the year that, that the Dolphins are going to win this division and beat the Bills. I still think that. I think that that's how bad the Patriots were was you had a guy, you had a team that wasn't gelling together that still, in my opinion, beat the Patriots pretty bad. 
And I'm a big Mike McDaniel fan. I think he's, he's one of those football nerds. I don't even know if he ever played the game, but he's one of those new age kind of analytics thinkers that likes to space the field and get people out into space. And he actually has run the Shanahan offense properly for many years, almost winning a Super Bowl in, in San Francisco. So just a couple of things to think about when people are saying the Dolphins don't impress them very much or Tua doesn't impress them very much. I would just put a little bit of pause there uh, with what they've been able to do in the last couple of years. Andrew, Andrew, I feel like you got, I feel like you got something there. You look like you, or about the game. I just want to pass to you to maybe hit on uh, Yeah, you had me until you started talking about the Dolphins beating the Bills for the division. Um, <laughs> and I, and then, and I, then I just thought back to the limited amount of last Thursday's game I watched. I turned it off because I was oh, like, boy. I'm going to see enough of that in eight quarters this year. I don't know don't know that I need to see any more. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, this goes back to the – to the first question, but, but I'll, I'll bring it together. I mean, I, you know, I, I joked about Brightside Bill, and I and I think, you know, this week Tom Curran's written about it, Greg Bedard's written about it at length. Like, it's pretty clear that there's been a shift in Belichick's <clears throat> kind of approach, I, and it makes sense to me. I mean, for two reasons. Like, one, you get older in life, and and things just change. You get more perspective, and, I, and I'll hold that against them. I actually think um, you know, I, I don't know that he could have coached the way he coached in his fifties, well into his seventies, but two, I think the game has changed. Um, I think if you look at a McVay, you look at a McDaniel, you know, you look at a Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, of course they've got, they're smart. They've, they've run good systems. They've got expectations. They run a business like anyone else would, but they're also, you know, responsive to this player. And I, and actually think Belichick could make this work. I think the bigger challenge and the thing I'm worried about is that I think it's been really easy as a fan to get distracted by the noise lately. Okay. The O-line shifting, they're doing outside zone, um, you know, this, that, and another, Oh my God, the draft picks, Cole Strange, Taekwon Thornton. And I actually think the thing that was most worrisome and I watched it last, I mean, I don't know about y'all. This is a fan experience podcast. That was the least, I didn't even get to watch all of the game because I had to work. But the part that I did watch was like the least fun Patriots game I've watched. And that includes the Cam, Cam Newton era. Ever. I'm sorry. Like, Ever. at least in those games, we were close and then just could never finish it in the fourth quarter. It just felt terrible. But the the stuff that Greg did in his film analysis, Greg Gardner this week on BSJ around the lack of creativity and play calling. And the fact that like it just from watching the film, he can't even figure out what they're doing. And and it doesn't look like Mac has the ability to adjust. I mean, I mean that should, that right there is like, Ooh, I, I don't know where this goes from here, so, but it may so, bear a lot of control. Go ahead, Mike. So, so Andrew, we, we, you know, we've got a coach here with more years coaching than most of us have been alive right on the line coach. Don't you help out your quarterback by giving him some cues, like when you put a guy in motion so he can see whether it's zone or man, like aren't there cues that even at the high school level you use to help your quarterback out to read pre-snap on what's going to happen? And if you're not using motion, if you're not doing some of those fundamental basic things, don't you sort of put an arm tied behind the back of the quarterback? Well, I think to, An to Andrew's point, and Bedard talked about it this week too, was that the lack of creativity to me was so apparent as the game early in the game and as the game wore on and, and they scheme the Dolphins scheme to get the ball to the new guys they had. Right. And, and I didn't see any of that with the Patriots until your point, Mike, they, they were very vanilla. 
they they played i think they only played two offensive sets the entire game and i don't think and again that's a change and 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 it, to, as Andrew said before, my biggest concern, and Andrew and I have talked about it all spring and into the summer, was the coaching changes. Not not necessarily the guys they have on their team, draft picks, this and that. I'm I'm concerned about the coaching changes, and and you, you got a guy who was a defensive, who coached defense the whole time, calling the offense. You got a you got Joe Judge who, you know, his his history as a head coach wasn't great. He's coming back in coaching a quarterback. I I I thought Mac Jones was was I don't want to say seeing ghosts, but maybe seeing ghosts. I, I mean, I, I I he 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 was so his feet never stopped. I didn't, I didn't feel like – I thought he was spending a lot of time trying to get the Patriots into the right formations, into the right play call, into this and into that. He just didn't seem comfortable at all. I mean, I Coach, he, he has the wristband with the, all this, the different plays on it, right? Yeah. The, the plays they called would have fit on a wristlet, right? Like a, like a, a little diamond <laughs> wristband. A it's bracelet, one, two, ring, three, or four, right? Like one, two, three, or four, right? That's pretty much all they did was call three or four oh. different plays. <laughs> and again, again, Bedard talked a lot about it. You know, years past with McDaniels, they always looked for the matchups. They always looked for where they could attack certain places on the defense. And, and, they didn't do any of that Sunday. I mean, it, there were different opportunities for them to make plays with, with matchup situations, but they never, they never took advantage. Uh, they didn't scheme for it. Uh, Daniels, O'Brien, Charlie Weiss. I mean, for the last 20 well, years, I, they've so, been going with matchups. So hold on a second. So, so a couple things back up a little bit. Andrew, not only was it, uh, it not creative and boring, I haven't had, I don't know, maybe it's me, maybe, maybe works busy and, you know, family stuff. I haven't had that much apathy watching a game in 25 years. Like literally I wasn't even mad when the play, when they were, when the Dolphins were making plays, I'm like, I don't know, maybe because I was winning money. I don't know, but I'm sitting here watching the game and I'm like, oh, God, look at that. Oh, there's, there's Melvin Ingram off the L touchdown. Uh, you know, can't protect him. There's Trent Brown again. Yo, look, Mac just got high load after he tried to, you know, adjust the offensive line for two minutes to your point, dad. And I just had a, a sense of a sense of empathy or uh, apathy that I haven't felt in a long time. The other thing is you guys are talking about creating matchups. I mean, in my opinion, and we've talked, this has been a theme on the show for a year now. I don't understand. And Bedard talked about this. I don't understand. And this is from a fan's perspective because I'm not in the office and I'm not at practice, but my goodness, can you put your talent on the field? If I got to watch Kendrick Bourne not play until the fourth quarter, who's the most talented receiver, in my opinion, they have. And then I got to watch, um, who was it? Who, who, who was Bedard talking about in the podcast? There was another player. Was it strange? No, I don't think it was Cole strange. It was another guy they have. I can't remember who it is. Maybe it was on the defensive side of the ball. That's super talented that they would, you would think he'd, oh, it was Judon. They had to uh, in, I think, instead of Judon on the field. And I'm thinking, dude, you paid Judon. Look at the amount of money you're paying this guy. He's got to be on the field. Like, I don't understand how they can't get their talent on the field. And I just, I don't know. Again, fan podcast. I don't understand it, but it's super frustrating. 
That was one of the questions I had as I wanted to ask coach. He has a lot more experience than I have. But how difficult is it if you've been an offensive or special teams coach your entire career and then to switch to offense in the, uh, in the pros? It, it, it's got to be difficult. Your defensive coach, it switched into offense? Uh, yeah. I would think so. I mean, again, I know defense just from coaching offense from a game planning standpoint and watching film in that, but to go coach it is not something I would feel comfortable doing. And I think at the pro level, I mean, obviously at the NFL level, it's so complicated and I mean, it's, it takes a lot of time and now you're working with a second year quarterback who you want to keep the progression going and make sure that he's getting better every year. I, I don't know. I, I, it just, it just looks like he's back. To, Mac Jones is taking a step backwards and I, I don't know who to attribute that to. Yeah. That's what it looks like to me. So my big question was why does Belichick bring in offense uh, defensive coaches to coach the offense in the pros? Is it monetary? Is it friendship based? I mean, I don't know. It just, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm, I'm just a fan. So, but I wanted to get it out there and ask it. Anybody, I don't. Yeah. Andrew, I mean, I, I personally think, uh, you know, this is a, this is a take that is not one shared by many of the commenters on BSJ and I'm not standing up for Patricia or judge. I'm not a huge fan of either. I, I, I think this, I, my stance is I think this might be a little bit overstated right now. Like, if you can coach, you can coach. If you've coached defense in the NFL, you know what to look for in the offense. I actually think there's something deeper going on here. I I think the lack of who's in charge of what, like um, I think that Patricia having to coach the offensive line and call the plays is like that. You know, I, I don't think it's the coaching thing. I, I think these guys are smart. They wouldn't, Belichick wouldn't have around if they're not smart. Like honestly, I think that, that's the staple. I just think, I think the lack of um, organizational structure right now and who's calling what and does everybody have the right amount on their plate, you know, is it cohesive, right? Like when I watch that offense, that's what I noticed is like, oh, right now it's not cohesive. Like it hasn't gelled and, you know, maybe it'll get there. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But I do, Bill, I share your concern. My my biggest fear, this season might be a lost cause, to be honest with you. I hope it is. I, watched, I mean, on week one, I'm like, I don't know. My biggest fear is that Mac goes backwards. Yeah, I mean, he already has. Andrew, and you, like, you, you nailed it. That. That, what you just saw was our traditional third preseason game. That's what we just watched. What we normally would usually see in the third preseason, where your starters play about three three series, you know, three uh, quarters, and they come out and they play super vanilla. That's what the game plan was. It was like the yeah. third preseason game, except oh, it was a real game. I'll say this. Coaching the offensive line for all the years I coached the offensive line, I would not have been able to call the offense and coach the offensive line. I, I just, and I was an offensive coordinator at one point. I had to, after every series, I had to get my my group together and figure out what's going on out there and do this and do that. There's no way in the world, Matt, Matt Patricia, he's, he's a good football coach. That's not even an issue. But you can't call offense and then go over and try to get your offensive group together and figure out what's going on out there 
and be and be successful. To Andrew's point, just the breakdown of of responsibilities to me seems really strange, especially coming from a guy like Belichick, who always had that in mind, seemingly had all his responsibilities. Guys had their responsibilities. They did their responsibilities and they were held accountable by him. Now, what's going on inside the... Just to put a finer point on that though, Dad, because I think you hit the nail on the head is I think the most alarming thing from like an organizational management standpoint is the very same lack of clarity that has dogged the defense the last couple of years because there was no defensive coordinator when Flores left. Instead of addressing that on defense, they said, well, let's double down. Let's do it on offense too. Yeah, let's make sure the whole some... thing's bad. Yeah, and, and, then, <laughs> and then you start to just look at this and you're like, okay, this is where the Belichick's just getting older and loosening and having a new strategy doesn't make sense because what good leadership would suggest is that if you're going to be left hands-on and you want to take a more like, you know, emergent approach, right. then you've got to actually resource the, 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 the levels of coaching you need so that Belichick can be at the top and be looking at the CEO level, like getting more into the weeds yet trying to be more lax, like really doesn't work. I mean, yeah. it, it just is a textbook case of like their, their structure right now is not setting them up for success. And, and all you have to do is look at the giants, right? Brian Dayball is a very experienced play caller but he's taking his position over there as the chief executive or head coach real seriously. So he's not calling plays, right? He's, he's got somebody else doing the play calling and he's there to help him, but he went over there as a new head coach and he's saying, look, I need to be able to be on, you know, paying attention to special teams and paying attention to the offense, paying attention to the defense. I'm not ready to be able to do all that and help call the plays. Well, I can tell you this, that ball's in the offensive meeting. And, I, and, I, sure. and, I, and I'm quite certain he has – I know the head coach has the headphone that can go back and forth between the offense and the defense, and he's hearing the plays that are called. And I just think – and going back to your point about the third preseason game, we've watched the Patriots over the years, and the first four games usually a lot of times aren't real good. And, and, but, I do, but I just didn't – to Mike's point, I didn't get the feeling at all – that this was just the start of the season. The Patriots were vanilla. They're going to be good in two weeks' time. They're nope. going to be good in three weeks' time. They're just, you know, they're using this as the final preseason stuff, which he's done forever. I, I, I got no feeling of that watching this game. No. That, ga that game plan was an insult to vanilla. None. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you this. So a couple things, and then to, to move on to uh, – the game coming up and then anything else in this game one and you guys bring up a really good point about organizational hierarchy and structure the reality is belichick can be the head coach any great leader in an organization has to trust the other people that run the organization and so he's not going to dive into every little thing and micromanage every little thing that happens that you can't run an organization that way so you put people in positions to andrew's point you put people in positions that you trust them to do well in and you let them fail and they learn from failure you let them succeed and you learn from success but the reality is if there's too much going on and you have too much you know if there's if if, if they're underwater too much in in that part of the organization it's never going to run well so i think he'll dive in a little bit more as the season goes on but i don't think you're going to see him just micromanage every piece of the the business if you will because that's just not healthy 
the other piece is on to, to what I think we're going to see from them. And Andrew, you and I texted about this the other day. I'm concerned that we're going to see a seven and 10, eight and nine season of mediocrity because Belichick and he's just good enough to stay in some games and win some games that he shouldn't win or, you know, an easy middle part of the schedule. I got to be honest with you. Maybe this is unpopular and it would sure as hell be boring. I'd rather they just go two and 15, three and 14, get a great draft pick. Hopefully they don't fumble it, um, but get a great uh, draft pick and actually get some talent. Like literally, I don't want to go mediocre. That just puts you 15th, 16th in the draft. You don't get any better. Like, I'd rather, yeah, maybe that's me. I don't know if I feel that. Oh, what do you? Wow. I mean, seven. You want to go seven and ten well, and draft a middle? I'm going to watch them anyway, whether they're two and fifteen or fifteen. Yeah, or two. I mean, that's what I mean. Doesn't matter. I'm going to watch well, them so, every week. Well, so I, two thoughts on that. I mean, one, I think um, um, the only way I'm all right with that kind of plan is if you know, knock on wood, God forbid, like they had an injury to Mac and he doesn't play, and then I'm like, okay, he gets the year to get stronger and develop, and they get a better player. But I think it, I think it would be detrimental to his development. To, to not see a leap this year. But but the other two thoughts for me are, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I buy into like Bedard's whole thing. This can't be a bridge year because last year was your bridge year. Correct. Right. You got the, right. If you got the quarterback you need and if you got these new guys that you spent all the money in and if the last two drafts, which look promising, are what we think they are, you should be seeing progress, you right. know? And so ideally that progress would be a better record and it was playoff win. But at the very least, you should be competitive. Like, we can't have a dumpster fire every year and then feel any, any kind of, okay, well, next year will be better. Like, I just don't buy that. And in the NFL, one, one high round draft pick doesn't, doesn't fundamentally change your roster makeup. It just doesn't unless it's the quarterback. So like, one, I just, one last, one last thing along those lines, let me run, throw it out to you guys. See what you think. At what point do you think that the locker room becomes an issue if these guys are all of a sudden watching failure in the game plan in the questioning the coaching staff these guys aren't these guys aren't this isn't their first rodeo these players well that's I mean, when you go that's when you go two and 15 when that has starts to happen right and they know i mean they i mean and some a lot of them are used to success there in this situation and they're watching from a from a you know from afar and they're thinking whoa what's going on here well, it depends on who, too, because some of the guys haven't had the success in this organization are still making a ton of money. So pro guys, you know, like a John o. Smith, he's making a ton of money. I don't yep. I mean, I think he's going to play. I mean, he's making money. He's going to play no matter what. Better. Right? He looks better this week, too. He did. Throw the ball give him the, yeah, give him the ball more. It doesn't have to be on a screen every time. Like, right. So, but, but you know. But to your point, right, the guys who are trying to pass on the Patriot way, right, the Matthew Slaters, the number 32, McCordy, right, those are the, the guys who are going to be like, I am not sticking around for this crap anymore. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the center, do you think he's going to want to put up with that nonsense? They have plenty of other places they can go. I don't know that it'll happen, but, I mean, I've seen it happen in, in, on a lesser scale, but – uh, you know, Bedard talked about it. I, I've worried about it since training camp because a lot of these older guys who have been around for championship years and now, to your point, Mike, going to say, you know what, I can retire wow. or I can go elsewhere. This is this is crazy. James White just signed with NFL Radio. Jason McCourty just signed a big deal, right? Look at look at all the guys who are former Patriots or on ESPN. Those guys are going to turn around and go, why am I getting my head kicked in for this? This isn't worth it. 
I can well, go make plenty of money and go get behind a mic and do what the knuckleheads who are on this screen are doing right now and get paid a lot more money. You know, plenty of money. Well, not to get not to get existential on us, but I, actually one thing that's occurring to me that I haven't read anywhere, so maybe this is an original thought, if there is such a thing. I, I actually think one of the challenges we're having as fans that maybe the team isn't having, and we'll know, who knows how it plays out, is that I think the Patriot way is dead. And I think Belichick is actually smart enough to know it went out the door with Tom Brady. That yep. like, you yep. can't do the, everything's about yep. perfect preparation. Everything's in the team. By the way, it's going to cost Tom Brady his marriage right now. Oh, so like, dude, to, saw to that. The idea, Awful. To the idea of like, that's just dead. It's gone. And I think Belichick, he's smarter than than most. Like, I think he knows it. I actually think the challenge is right now because we're used to the Patriot way and everybody's used to the Patriot way. We can't actually like the idea of like, Oh, a looser approach or growing pains or working things out just feels so foreign. I'd imagine that's not going to be the problem in the locker room. I think the far bigger problem is if like they don't start to experience success with whatever comes next Correct. after the Patriot way. Like, I just think, I mean, he needs Mac and some other guys who are going to be whatever this 2.0 version is to like have success in the process. And then your buy-in comes like, but I, I think this is what's so hard about being a Patriots fan right now is that we just can't get rid of the old model and appreciate that like times change, people change. And Belichick actually probably realizes the minute Tom Brady walked out the door, that whole model fell apart. Like, I I, I think too, they, it did walk out the door. Brady was a huge part. He was, you know, two halves to the Patriot way of Belichick and it was Brady and whoever else was involved. I also think they're going to have to learn how to win again without the, the old Patriot way, to your point. So, and that will happen. It's just a matter of when and, and you know, what happens along the way. I think they're going to get better this season. That That's just my take. Yeah, you've been optimistic all week. Yeah, well, all season. And, and you, I, you've and been I the optimistic. This I, is I think they were off. They weren't good on Sunday for sure. But had they done two or three things differently and done, taken what the Dolphins gave them, they all of a sudden sneak a win out in game one. I, I mean, I they, they they didn't do anything to win the game. I, I can't. But I, I I got it. I, I suppose, can't. I can't I agree with you. Man. David I can't agree. Would have done a few things differently. They might have not lost the Alamo too. No, I, he might have. He might have lived a little bit longer. I can't I mean, agree. I don't know. I, I mean, Dad, Dad, I can't. Maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe you and I have flipped bodies in the last or minds. I no, man. That Dolphins team was going to win that game, in my opinion. I sure. I I can't sit here and listen to Belichick say it was a closer game than the score and blah blah. Like, yeah. Wait, 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 oh, Mike. To, to defend coach for one second, when you look back at the film. How many times did that Miami defense try to give that game back to the Patriots? Uh, And Tua try to give that game back to the Patriots. What I will defend coaches, look, Miami tried to give you this game three or four times. If you took it a couple of those times, that score is really different. I think think that's a a troublesome thing. They tried to give you the game a million times and there was no No, 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 no. Thank you. You take it. Well, so, so. Last thing here, and then I have a question, then I want to move on to this week. So, yes, okay, I, I will concede that. Here's the reality, though. Good teams, winning teams, take it, yep. and they do something with it. Like, that. I guess that's my point, is is the the Bills, 
the Rams, the Chiefs, all these other teams, when the Dolphins do that, guess what happens? They end Dolphins up winning. The, they, win, they win the game. Dolphins like going to lose. That's the, that's the difference between yeah, those teams. And this yet, right? I know. No, I know yeah. that. I know that. Where we're at. I, I know that. Um, all right. So last question for this group, and then I want to talk about the Steelers game. And it's kind of a, it's not meant to be cryptic, but it's a question. We, we're still in on Mac. We're still, we're still there. We're all yeah, still no. positive. Yes. Yeah. I'm in on Mac. I'm in on Mac. Right. I'm hearing fans. About one I'm game into fans. the second season. I know. I agree. I agree with you. I'm just hearing stuff about, oh, go get Jimmy G or all this other no, stuff. And, I hope his insurance policy's paid up. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yep. Because that yeah. big, that big, that big boy on the left side, holy cow. I'm in on Mac. I'm also in on whoever his orthopedist is. Like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> hey, guys, yeah. I, got a, I got a question. Speaking sure. of our, left, our huge left tackle, it was reported earlier in the year that obviously last year he played right tackle. They signed him at right tackle money. And then this year they flipped him to the left tackle. Obviously the money's different. Do you think that's affecting him? Yeah, I, I do. I, I Dude. think there's a there's a, there's an obvious there's an obvious buy-in problem right now with him, and I, I'm not sure if it's the money. I'm not sure if it's just to the point where he doesn't want to. He's not interested anymore. But you know, Bedard said in watching the film, it wasn't an effort thing. It just looks like he's not interested. I mean, so, I, so guys, I did hear a really interesting take on this, and it was uh, one of the. It's, uh, trying to think, the guy. He's a former offensive lineman, Ross Tucker. Ross Tucker was saying that he thought Trent's big problem is he always played well when there's a really good veteran guard playing next to him. Played up. Oh, okay. That he ties oh. it, that he plays well when there's a good veteran like guard anchor. playing next to him. And that he doesn't play very well. He plays very inconsistently when he's playing next to an inexperienced guy. So that might speak to it's not just that they moved him to the left side, but they moved him to the left side next to a guy who played at UC Chattanooga. And still is oh. trying to figure out the difference between his well, elbow and his, you know what? Well, we're going to keep our eye. We're going to keep our eye out on that. The dart had some interesting thoughts about strange thought he was okay, but he's not there yet. It, it, look, it, it's been the same thing over the last few years. But, looking but maybe you draft. flip one, maybe you flip on one you and, and uh, strange. Yeah. I mean, and I one use a lot more anchor. Well, I, I think you'll know the answer to this question by week, week six. Like yeah. I think not there's strange? a decent No, I think Trent Brown may get cut. Oh, right? I got like, you. Like, oh, you, well, they After, brought back uh, Cannon, right? Right. Yeah, he's a, he's well, I mean, yeah, I'm just, just saying that, that they, they got, you know, I'm not sure they moved, they moved Brown to left tackle because of anything more than they weren't happy with Win at left tackle and they weren't sure what they were going to get with Win. So I, they talked about trading Win all spring. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Let's move. Uh, we'll see how. Let's yeah, Let's move into Steelers. We got a couple more minutes here. Um, Steelers. I, so here's my thought on this game. I brought it up uh, earlier pre-show. So I texted Andrew the other day and was like, literally, just without even looking at the game, was like, "What in where? What alternate reality am I living in where the Patriots are favored on the road against the Steelers?" And he like he like we laughed and we talked about it. And I I don't know. Maybe this. I know this isn't a gambling podcast, but. I've learned over the years of gambling for a long time that the more I look at that, the more I don't, I, maybe I'm overthinking it, Andrew, you're my great equalizer here. Am I overthinking, am I overthinking the, the number 
and thinking Vegas like is telling us something, almost that thing where you always bet the lower ranked team or the higher ranked team when they're a favorite. And then it usually wins, right? Or is the va- is there just immense value on Steelers money line? And and and, and yeah. are they going to go in and look? And and the Patriots uh, are going to lose. Immense value on the Steelers money line. Um, yeah, I mean, v- Vegas yeah. is not their job is to get money on both sides, right? Right. It's not to. It, they're trying to. They're trying to win, right? They're not trying to be smarter than everybody else, other than to get the money in the right place. So I feel like they've got the the money line where it is to to get the money equal, right? They're trying I, to get. I don't think so though. Mike. Line up on. No, but the betting splits aren't telling you that. So the, the betting splits are right now 74% of the money is on Pittsburgh and 74% of the bets are on Pittsburgh. I mean, that's my other concern is, is, is that I thought it would actually be the other way. But then the number should be going down, right? Should yeah. be moving towards yeah, a I mean, game. I gotta be honest. I, that's the kind of game I would leave alone most okay. likely because I just think um, you are going to overthink it. Your Patriot, you're not going to be able to separate your Patriots fan from those sorts of things. Um, oh, I did last week. Well, you did. Uh, Mike, <laughs> do you have a score prediction before you got to head out? Yeah, Mike Davis, what do you think? Yeah, I, what do you I, think? I'm going to say 23-10 Steelers. Okay, 23-10. Bill and Donovan. I'm going to say that uh, that the game is ended by Hoyer, not by Mac. Oh, oh boy. Well, Dad Mac said he was didn't wor- practice today, by the way. Dad said he was worried Mac wasn't going to make it through the year. So mm. I don't uh, think he's going to make it through the Steelers game. All right, <laughs> bye, y'all. Yeah, Mike. See you, Michael. Bill Donovan. Okay, so I say Pittsburgh 13, Pats 7. Hmm. Oh, man. I, I think I'm following. I think I'm going where you're headed to, Mike, uh, Bill. Dad? I think Pittsburgh wins 20 to 13. 20 to 13. Man, I just don't see a score in 13 points. Sadly. No. Either. It's, 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 that's not against that defense. No, which is still got a good defense. Oh yeah. I mean, they're, you know, Watts out. Who's no, Watts out, but they still got two other good defensive linemen, a good linebacker. Uh, by the Brian way, Flores, Brian Flores knows them. Yep. <laughs> no, it's a good call. Like a book. By, by, the, by, the, by the way, by the way, <laughs> is it that me was the worst we... coach we let go? Flores. Oh, Flores is awesome. Was it, by the way, was it me? Is it me or do we always seem to get lucky in some of these games? Like last year, I feel like, didn't we play a game where Derrick Henry was out and there's another game where like, all like, I just feel like we run into mm-hmm. these injuries. We do. Uh, Henry was out. We gave up 275 yards rushing. Cause if, let me tell you something right now, if TJ Watt was playing, I wouldn't even play Mac. I just, <laughs> I just put Bailey Zappi in and say, go for it, Bailey. Go, go have fun. Yeah, have fun. <laughs> Throw it around. Andrew, go ahead. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know why I'm going to do this. Uh, oh, I, oh, you're, I know where you're, yeah, do you're it. I am. Well, partially just because to give a contrarian view, but I actually think, I mean, this is why I'd stay away from the game because I know who you're on talking one, about. On one hand, I'm worried about Flores being knowing where to exploit the offense, but I actually think that might be mitigated by the fact our offense is terrible. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure, you know, exploiting is going to matter. I think it's going to be an ugly game. I oh, think yeah. I was. I think our defense is better than we realize. Um, TJ Watt being out, I think matters. I'm not a big Mitchell Trubisky fan. Oh, that's where you were. Yep. I'm yep. not even sure that it matters where this game is, New England or Pittsburgh. I think I'm going to call a Patriots win 17 to 14. It's going to be like the early 90s. Oh, man. So, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what side to pick on this game. I, Dad, you said it earlier. I think it goes under. I think that's the – if I'm going to bet this thing, that's what I'm going to bet. Um, and I think that 
The only thing that worries me about Trubisky, it's he's terrible. All right. Mr. Trubisky's awful. Uh, I knew that when he was at Carolina, he's terrible. But the only thing that worries me about him, and they the Patriots played the Bears while he was there, and they won those games. If I'm not mistaken, last time they played him against Chicago, it was a close game. Like it wasn't a it wasn't a blowout, and he can run. And that's my hey, problem. He threw Trubisky. a pass at the end of the game that they stopped the guy short on the one yard line. That's on exactly a right. Mary. To win the game. Yeah. And, and the Patriots also have a bad habit of losing to bad quarterbacks. Um, even when Brady was here. So, and he can move and they don't run. I mean, they're faster and younger, so they can move side to side better yeah. than in the past. So look, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm just going to go with my initial gut and say Steelers win, but I'm going to go with, with a bill score. And I'm going to go like, I mean, I think there's a lot of field goals. I'm going to go. Uh, let's see. 16. I'll go 16 to I'll go 16 to seven is what I think it'll be. I think Steelers win and there's, they kick a bunch of field goals and you know, we bend don't break. Well, here's the, I got to add a little caveat to mine. I think I'm the only one saying the Patriots are going to win. I don't love the pick. I do think we'll win 17, 14, but the other prediction I have is that we'll be sitting back here next week and nobody's going to feel a whole lot better <laughs> about winning and, and beating the Steelers. So I just want to offer that caveat with my prediction. This isn't like a get right game. This is a, like somebody had to win a game and we're going to have the same questions That's next right. week that we had today. That's this kind of, there you go. Is this no, going to no be get back? Hey, is this Andrew? Is this going to be the uh, Mike and Andrew in in uh, in downtown Durham watching Matt Castle beat the Jets in Week Two of two thousand eight? That yeah, kind of game. Yeah, and you're like, doesn't? Um, yeah. I'm not sure anything good's coming from this, but at least we won the game. Felt so good to go. win. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, awesome! Yeah, 17, All right, guys. Patriots. All right, so we got four Steelers picks, one Pats pick. Andrew's the brave one going out on a limb. I hope you're right. I just, I, you know, if if they're going to turn anything around, they need to get some feel good in the locker room, and any win will do that. So, all right, guys, any any last minute thoughts before we get out of here? No, I just saw on my phone Mac didn't practice today. Just just as a heads up, but it's due to illness. He's probably sick to his stomach watching film. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, Matt, listen, if Mac has bad back spasms, this is good, probably going to be a horrible take, but I I'm okay with in this game. If Hoyer's out there, it's not the end of the world. It's, uh, like if, if Hoy I trust Hoyer to run the offense, I mean, I don't think much is going to change, um, based on where they are right now. So we'll see anyway. Hey man, it was fun to be back. I'm glad to be back. We hope you guys enjoyed it and we'll see how it goes this weekend and we'll see you next week.